Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. It's now time for our scripture reading, and I invite you open to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Again, that's Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Okay, happy Sabbath. The message I'm going to preach today is not what I was really thinking. I had something else prepared for the week, but Thursday when I had to do to send the bulletin information, God impressed me to, to preach what I'm going to preach today. Perhaps somebody here needs to hear that. But before we go there, uh, I'm going to need a helper. I want somebody uh, to help me with several pieces of that story of Abraham. It starts in chapter 12. So I want somebody... Uh, to be a volunteer if you can raise your hand okay can you guys uh, make a microphone reach amy that uh, as you may guess we're going to be talking about uh, somebody on the bible it's probably one of the most famous characters on the bible other than jesus and uh some may are given uh, by name, he's the one that's mentioned more. And uh, it's interesting because it seems that everybody on the Bible wants to be associated with this guy. Like they keep referencing him on the New Testament, on the Old Testament. Everybody wants to uh, be associated with them. Even the Pharisees, they say like, oh, I was son. Uh, I was a son of Abraham. And uh, but it's even interesting that even God seemed to be interested to be associated with this person. Uh, so uh, in uh, Exodus 3, when we find uh, Moses uh, uh, being called on that scene of the burning bush, when God shows up, how God identifies himself. He says, Moses... I'm the God of Abraham. So even God is trying to associate himself with uh, Abraham. And uh, by calling that, he was indicating intimacy, that Abraham was intimate with him. And uh, why do you think that everybody tries on the, on the scripture, tries to associate himself with Abraham? What do you think the, the deal is? Uh, is that because he was a perfect human being? He had a perfect life? I guess that's far from it. Because if you read his story, he is such a flawed individual. And uh, he, his life is full of mistakes, full of things that he shouldn't have done. Uh, but still, everybody wants to be associated with, with them, with him. And... Uh, and I think the answer is because in his story, we can see 
uh, God's grace in action. And uh, we can see how God works with flawed individuals and through his grace enable them to do something great. And uh, uh, through his life, we can see how God can meet us wherever we are and raise us up uh, through our life history. And uh, what's God's intention? God's intention to be to become our friend. That's why, like, uh, th- when I originally prepared this sermon, I prepared as a se- as a series, and we ca- I call that series uh, "Best Friends Forever" because that's the goal for God that God has for you and me, for us to be best friends forever with Him. And uh, we're gonna be analyzing starting today the story of this man, that patriarch Abraham. And uh, through that, that story, we're going to see God changing uh, his life. And we're going to see that's God's design for him to change our life too. But before we go any further, let's invite God in prayer to guide our study today. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much because you have such an interest in us. We are so broken and undeserving, but you love us to the point of sending uh, Jesus, uh, of coming down in person to die on the cross to give us redemption. We marvel as you want to be our friend. And as we study the story of Abraham today, May your spirit guide us. May your spirit open our eyes to see details that we haven't seen before. May your spirit guide us to see how his life also mirrors ours. And help us to get inspired as you change his life around. May you change ours too. Please anoint my lips as I speak. Help me not to speak of myself. And anoint our ears and hearts as we hear Scripture being read. And as we talk about Scripture, may we hear your Holy Spirit talking to our hearts. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, if you want to follow up, we're going to be reading starting in Genesis 12. So... But our story starts a little bit before Genesis 12, actually. It starts in uh, Genesis 11, 27. And at this point of the story, Abraham is not called Abraham. His name was Abram. And at this point, he was 75 years old. We usually... Uh, like depict our heroes as like somebody young, muscular, uh, somebody like impressive. But Abraham was far from that. Like he was old, 75 years old. And uh, to top everything down, he had no kids. That in his culture, 
was uh, a big no-no. And he probably he, f- he found himself in a point that he was looking back to his life and he was just seeing failures. He was not even being truthful to his name. Abraham means uh, exalted father. And at 75 years old, he was childless. He didn't have a, a son of his own. So could you imagine your name says that you are a great father, but you have no, no kid to actually prove that theory? So probably he was, he was also target of comments behind his back. Like, look, he has no kids. Like, people probably would make fun of him. And if you read the preceding story, uh, it says something quite interesting. Like the story of the Tower of Babel. That like those guys, they distrust God. They wanted to uh, build a tower. And um, by building that tower, they want to uh, do a lot of things. And uh, in verse 4 of chapter 11, it says, And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole world. They didn't want to go where God wanted them to go. God said, like, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. You go to all places of earth and they want to stay there. They wanted to make a name for themselves. That was their goal. And in that context, in that culture of rebellion, is where Abraham was born. He was not born like in a uh, farm near, like far away from the city, far away from all the vices. And he was uh, brought, uh, brought up in a city not far from Babylon that had the same problems as Babylon. And uh, in the story, uh, we read that he is, his father is actually uh, there with him because he says like, God said like, you have to leave your father's house. Like he lived uh, uh, in his father's house, not because he could not uh, pay uh, for housing on his own. That's because it was like the cultural norm, like uh, at the time. Abraham was rich, and so was his father. And, uh, but they live together in the same compound. It's like uh, I have some families here in the district that uh, when I go to visit them, it's easy because they have like that big lot and everybody's like one house next to the other. So like, in one visit, I can visit like eight families at the same time. So that was kind of how Abraham lived. So let's read how that story started in Genesis 11, 27 to 30. Can you read for us, Amy? Genesis 11, 27 to 30. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begat Abram. Nahor and Haran. Haran begat Lot, and Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives 
the name of Abraham's, Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nehor's wife, Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, she had no child. Continue, Jude 31. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So like our hero, on the beginning of his journey, he was living all together. His, he and his brother take wives. He takes somebody called Sarai that's related to him. Uh, but Sarai was barren. She could not have kids. And then his father takes them. Uh, takes Abraham, his family, and his great grandson Lot to live with him in a different land and they went out from Ur from that outskirts of Babylon from the Chaldean region and they moved to the land of Canaan they moved towards that direction and they came to Haran and they dwelt there uh, so Terah he makes those plans to reallocate out of Babylon uh, out of Babylon, out of the land of the Chaldeans. And uh, he goes to the countryside. He goes to Canaan, like to a part of Canaan that's today on the present day, Lebanon, Jordan. Uh, but he stops in a place called Haran. Uh, and he lived there for a while. And there... Terah dies. And, uh, and that juncture of his life, where he is like in the middle of a stranger land, God speaks to him and God makes a visit. So let's pay attention to what God says to Abraham at this point. Let's keep reading in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, like, uh, in other words, God is saying to Abraham, to Abraham like, uh, Abraham, I want to bless you so much that that blessing will smear all those that hub shoulders with you. Uh, I want to bless you so much that that blessing will go, you'll be transmitted to your children, to their children, to their children, to their children, to their children. I want to bless you so much that like I'm going to create like a, like a protected force field around you. Because if somebody tries to curse you or tries to harm you, it's going to get right back at them. And uh, God had plans for a hero. God had plans for Abraham. God's uh, part is, was that, that he 
was the one that was going to do all the work. If you notice, he says, I will do this, I will do that. Like Abraham didn't have to do much because God was the one uh, that will do basically everything. But Abraham had to do a few things too. God had two imperatives for Abraham in that section. Two things he said for Abraham that you must do. Uh, he says like uh, two of those things. Let's read again. He says like here. Get out of your country. From your family. From your father's house. And go to a land that I will show you. That's the first imperative. Abraham had to go where God was pointing. He had to go by himself and allow be guided by God. God had a plan for Abraham in the same way he has a plan for each one of us. Uh, he doesn't care if uh, we are winners or losers. For him, doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter our past. Does not matter our mistakes. Does not matter anything. Uh, he wants us to change our life. And if we do that leap of faith and uh, obey him, put our lives on his hands, obey his first imperative, then all the rest he will deliver. And that's the whole point of the, the series that we're starting today, is to help us to deal uh, in a, that surrender with God and, and like to do what God wants to do with our life. Uh, in the ups and downs of his life, of Abraham, of the life of Abraham, we can also learn some precious lessons for us. And, uh, but that was the first imperative. Uh, he had to go. He had to allow himself to be used by God. That tells us something. God never blesses us because we are special, because the color of our eyes, or because we are from this family or that family, or because we belong to this church or that church. Uh, God blesses us when we put our life in his hands. But we know why is that? Because of the second imperative. The second imperative is also in verse 2. The end of verse 2. Uh, it says, and you shall be a blessing. God wants us to be vessels. To bring his blessings to other people. He doesn't give us blessings just for us to accumulate. God gives us blessings. So we can bring those blessings to others. And uh, like God wants to bless me. God wants to bless you. Because he wants that to make us vessels of his blessings. So we can bless others. And, uh, and if we are willing to follow God's instructions. Uh, he will do it. But uh, that's usually the hard thing to do. Uh, 
Did you, did you think Abraham did what God asked? Did he leave his country? Did he leave his parents, his father's house? Did he leave his family behind? Did he go, went to where God was pointing? Let's read uh, verse 4 and what, see what it says. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So Abraham left his hands, his land. Abraham left his uh, parents' house. Apparently he was going to where God was sending him, apparently. Because if you keep reading, he ended up going to Egypt. Uh, not to where God was uh, pointing him to do. And he didn't leave all his family behind. His uh, nephew, Law, Lot, came with him. So he didn't cut the umbilical cord with his family. He was still lingering with, with something. And uh, but that verse, if we look closely, it sells something. Like uh, on verses twenty-nine to thirty-one, we see that people are being very intentional. Like Terah was intentional to leave his his country to go to Canaan. Uh, uh, Abraham, Abraham, and uh, Naor, his brother. They were intentional to take wives and to get married. That was something that they did, like was their action. But uh, here we don't see that intentionality. Uh, or hero and uh, his wife could not uh, conceive. They could not have children. So his brother died and leave a son behind. So they took that son in. They took Lot in. And the story tells us what happened on uh, verse 31. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai. His son Abram's wife. And uh, they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. In this case, we see Abram, we see that intentionality so far of moving, of doing things, of taking wives. But uh, uh, in verse 4 of uh, Genesis 12, we see that like the Lord spoke, go, he went with his wife, and in my Bible at least say, and Lot went with him. Abraham heard God's voice, he went to where God was pointing, he left his uh, father's house, but he just didn't cut the cord. Lot was there. Just there. He, he tagged along and Abraham allowed it. 
that kind of reminds me of a, a booster rocket. Like, I don't know how many of you remember back on the uh, late 90s and uh, early 2000s when we had like the space shuttle program still running. Like, uh, and if you remember the launching, we had the space shuttle. Usually, he was uh, tied in a in a booster booster rocket, and that rocket was designed to bring them to a certain altitude, and then they were when they were out of the atmosphere, he would detach, so the space shuttle could. Uh, finish their journey on their own and uh, like that kind of reminds me of the story of Abraham because God grants understanding to Abraham he wants Abraham to fly high but he needs to detach of everything that was uh, holding him down if the space shuttle doesn't detach from the from the rocket. It's not able to fly in his own with the rocket there. It has to detach so he can keep flying high. And uh, the same thing with us. Uh, and the same thing with, Ab with Abraham. He needed to attach himself to the things that were made impossible for him to fly. In the same way, we need to detach ourselves from... Uh, the things uh, are holding us up here on this earth. In the life of Abraham, we see a proposition, we see a blueprint, if I may, uh, of what God wants us to do. God wants us to fly. He wants to make you fly. He wants to bring you to places. But first, we need to be willing to detach ourselves from things Places, people, attitudes, and uh, that are not conducive to the mission that God has for you. Just in the same way the space shuttle had to detach from the booster rocket. We need to detach ourselves from those things. Because they impede us to fly. And in some cases, they may even cause us to go down, crash, and burn. And often... As was the case with Abraham, we are not willing to detach from those things. We, we may not deliberately keep those things on our lives, but they are just there. And we make no efforts of, uh, of like detaching ourselves from, from it. And uh, uh, just like Lot. In many, in many cases, that's not intentional. We don't bring what's nocive, what's dangerous to our life. But we don't make the efforts that we need to detach ourselves from it. Uh, like, what's like me yesterday? Uh, in the last month was Pastor Appreciation Month. And somebody knew my weak spot and gave me some Toblerones. That's my, my thing. And like, I can eat packs and packs of it like in one city. But I know that's not, not good for me. 
So I found them on my backpack. Le last night I was fixing up my computer. So I opened one and I thought, well, be just one. Like just one of those. Like hey, it's a big bar and has like several little pieces. So I broke just one, put the bar aside and left on the top of my uh, work table. Ate it, savored it, was delicious. I was in heaven, but I was not planning to eat anything. But the bar was there staring at me, calling my name. And I was trying to focus on my work. By the time I finished fixing my computer, the bar was gone. And the other one was well on the way. Not because, like, uh, the bar was just there. And I didn't put any effort to, like, I didn't want to eat all at one sitting. But I didn't make any efforts to remove and put in a different place, get out of my sight. I kept there. And that's sometimes what we do in, uh, in our lives. They, there's things that are in our, our life that they are sometimes even mere background, but just because they are there and we don't make any effort to sever our connection with those things, they keep dragging us down. And uh, they keep making our, their way in our life. So in the case of the turbulence to my belly. So uh, Abraham didn't leave everything as God asked. He kept Lot there. He was supposed to break everything. He was supposed to walk just him and his wife and his crew. By themselves, trusting God's guidance and trusting in God's promise. And uh, as he sojourns uh, to the land that he's uh, being pointed to, he finally pitched his stand in, uh, in the east of Bethel, in, uh, in a place between Bethel and uh, Ai. And uh, you can read that in Genesis uh, 12, 5 to 9. There he builds an altar, a monument to God, and he prays there, and uh, he goes there daily, and God promises him a descendants, sons and daughters. But uh, Abraham didn't do all that was required of him. As our story continues, Abraham... Uh, was trying to go where God was sending, but external circumstances kind of forced him otherwise. And uh, because a famine came to the land of Canaan, he was directed to Egypt where it was food. And uh, you can read that story on the remainder of chapter 12. We will not read here today because I want to save a little bit of time. But I'm going to tell this story to you. Uh, he goes to Egypt, but he realized he had a problem. And the problem was his wife, because his wife apparently was beautiful. And his wife must be something, because she was also an elderly lady. And she was still looking good to the point that he was concerned that somebody was... Uh, would be willing to kill him to take his wife. So 
And then I can imagine they sitting on the on the couch. Look, honey, we are uh, have to leave for Egypt. But uh, let me just tell you how beautiful you are. You are beautiful. You are marvelous. You are laughing. You are intelligent. You are like how oh, that. And but there is a problem. Those people are hidden. When we get there, they may covet you. But they, since I'm married with you, they may kill me to be with you. So let's do the following. When we get there, I, we say, if somebody asks that you are my sister, so could you do this for me? And uh, like I think Abraham must have a, been an excellent salesman. Because if I make that proposition to my wife, she will not banish me for the doghouse. She's probably burying me and the doghouse together. Like, uh, that will not fly. But I don't know why Sarai agreed with that foolishness. And they went. And when they get there, the Pharaoh, like, fill his eyes with her and, like, invite her in. And, uh, like, Pharaoh took her in. The Bible says that he gave a lot of gifts to the brother of the, his new bride because he wants him to be happy with the deal. Like, I'm getting your sister so, like, fill him with, like, camels, with gold. Like, Abraham was having the time of his life. He was already rich, but he was getting a more richer. But then something happens. Let's read verses 17 and verses 18 of uh, Genesis 12. Can you read for us, Amy? But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now therefore here is your wife. Take her and go on, go your way. So like, uh, we don't know the nature of those plagues. We know that what, that was serious enough that uh, the Pharaoh got the memo. And he called Abraham like, why did you do that to me? Like, why you did that? Like, uh, he said, keep the gifts. Go away. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Like, he, he wanted those guys to be gone, like he was afraid. And what caused my attention is that Abraham was lying. He was being a cheater. He was doing all wrong. And even without that, God still blessed him. Did you notice that? And, uh, and he left Egypt even more richer than when he was, when he arrived. Uh, let's keep reading now in chapter 13. What happens next? Verses 1 to 5. Genesis 13, 1 to 5. Please read for us. Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and 
Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Did you see what happened here? God called Abram to do something. He didn't, he do halfway as we often do. And uh, he tries to move on in life. And he ends up on the same place where he was in the beginning. He starts his journey out of his father's house in Haran. And he went all the way around and got, got back to the same place. His refusal to address the things on his life which needed to be addressed were impeding Abram to move forward. Does that sound familiar to you? Well, to me sounds familiar because uh, sometimes have you never asked yourself like uh, when you end up being on the same place again and again and again, the same things happen with you again and again and again. You may change places, you may change jobs, you may change schools, you may change countries. Like in the case of Abraham, you may even change wives and like uh, or spouses, but we end up always on the same situations, like a roundabout. Did you ever notice that there are some areas of your life that you keep going back to the same pit again and again and again and again? Uh, one thing is clear from the story of Abraham. And took me a little while to realize um, is that uh, uh, more than anything else, more than money, more than stability, more than prosperity, more than a good name, more than anything else, God wants me to grow. God wants you to grow. And He wants us to keep growing. And uh, it's, it's like as if we are enrolled in a school, in a God's school of growth. And periodically, God allows situations to shake us down a little bit, to make us reevaluate, like, that we are going on that roundabout. We need to break out with those things that we already know that we should break. He wants, and he realizes that those patterns of behavior are difficult to break. And uh, it's so convenient for us to leave those things unattended. Uh, it's easy to try not to think about it. But then when something really happens, we, whoa, uh, we realize that we are back where we started and we realize that we have to do something. That's the point where God expects us to break that cycle. Uh, but sometimes we try to break the cycles in the wrong way. We try to change jobs, change countries, change spouses, change this, change that. But we don't change what needs to be changed. We never address the big elephant in the room. I don't know what's your problem. God knows. And you, chances are that you know very well as well. 
but uh, we get stuck in Abraham's roundabout. That's because God is waiting for you to press that uh, reset button on your life. To press the, like, the eject button, to jetson out of your life those things that are uh, things that you need to, to live. Uh, like sometimes there is things that are difficult for us. For example, uh, for me, especially when I was younger, I, I became an executive of uh, big banks and uh, big financial institutions very young in age. So, and uh, that was a little harder for me to deal with uh, people's behavior. Like uh, to confront people when they needed to change. And uh, quite often, I would postpone those things. Till it got to a point that like things were blowing out. Because I didn't dealt with those matters early on. Uh, because of my inability of confronting uh, people that way. Those things were never easy for me. But uh, the outcomes would be, I noticed that the outcomes became better and better the earlier I addressed those things. That was a growing experience for me. To learn to address those things early on and not that, let them faster and faster and faster. Because problems don't go away by itself. It requires intentionality. God is willing to help. But he cannot force your brain or your hand to do it. And uh, now, Abraham alive, arrives on that place. The place where he started his journey. He is a rich man uh, with uh, gold and everything he, he needed. But uh, he has plenty of everything. But he feels empty because uh, he didn't have what he must needed. But in that situation, something else happens. Uh, let's read verses 6 and 7 of Genesis 13. The land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's, Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So there was strife between Abram's servants and Lot's servants because they both got richer and big cattle uh, farms and like, and words were exchanged. Perhaps even blows were exchanged. Names were called. And Abraham at this point. He was an elder statesman. Rich. Powerful. He didn't need all this petty confusion. So. He got. He gets to his nephew. Really. Look. We need to break away. If you go left. I go right. If you go right. I go left. So choose where you want to go. Two sides of that big valley. Uh, on the right side was an okay place. On the left side was a place that was lush and green, like looked like the second Garden of Eden. Like was such a nice place. And uh, uh, 
in his culture was a culture that uh, valored seniority, valor old age, value the white hair, like value like the wisdom. Uh, so like in his culture, he should have the first choice and he should get the better place. But he allowed his uh, son, his nephew, nephew to choose. What do you think uh, Lot chose? He chose the Garden of Eden. Of course, he's not a fool. But what should he had uh, uh, cho chosen? And look, that was somebody that got you when your dad died, treated you as a son, made you rich. And now you backstab him like on his old age by choosing the best place instead of having him had that honor. And uh, I think it was heartbreaking for Abraham. Because now he was breaking apart with his nephew. Something that he, have, he should have done earlier. But uh, finally he was being forced by circumstances. One of those problems in life that I mentioned. And uh, I think it was painful for him to realize that that thing that he was cherishing so much. That uh, adoptive son, if I may. Didn't even care about him. Didn't show appreciation. Didn't allow him to, on his old age, to get what he deserved. Uh, Abram uh, draw the line. And he says in verse 12 of chapter 13, Abraham dwells in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. And they, from that point on, they left apart with each other, but with that realization that sometimes we do realize as well, those things that we cherish, those or pet sins, or those things that we have on our life, on our life, the troubleones of our life, they don't even care about us. They are not good for us. They don't want to promote our growth, but we, because we love them, because we want them, because we, we keep them in our lives. And God wants us to break that pattern, uh, addressing what needs to be addressed. The, those broken things on our lives. And uh, now that Abraham addressed his pattern of behavior, and for the first time of his life, he's actually doing exactly what God expects from him. Uh, after like a lifelong wa walking in circles, and ending up on the same place he started, uh, Abraham passed his first test, like he, he broke free from Lot. And uh, God demonstrated his faithfulness in doing so. He was probably, as I said, heart, heartbroken by leaving what he shares so much, but also by realizing that Lot didn't care a lot about him. Uh, Lot was a hindrance, not a helper. But... Uh, that was not easy for him to let him go. 
And uh, in the same way, it's not easy for us to let go of our patterns of behavior of, the, of like people, places, things on our life that are, are not good for us. And that's a difficult thing to do. And in that point, in this juncture of his life, God shows up again in uh, Abraham's uh, life. Let's read verses 14 and 15 of Genesis 13 to see what God says to Abraham. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. So, when Abraham finally throws the towel, and he decides to do what God asked him to do, God shows up again to meet him. It's not worthy that he shows up uh, first making promises and uh, telling him what to do. And now, when fi finally Abraham is in line with his plan, he shows up not to give more instructions or like to uh, do more like guidance, but he shows up just to share him up. Abraham was sad like, oh, I'm even... I don't have a son, even the stepson I had, like, it's gone. Uh, and uh, God wanted to share, cheer him up and show him how bright his future would be. And uh, that speaks loudly about who God is. Like, one thing uh, I learned from the story of Abraham that was good for my life is that like in the case of the story of Abraham, why Abraham is so special is not because what he did or didn't do. What's special in the story of Abraham is God. God is the main actor here. God's the one that is doing everything. And there's three special things I want to highlight in closing that uh, are not worthy, were special for Abraham. And should be special for us. The first thing. God is patient. Abraham did not obey at first. But he. But God didn't root, wrote off Abraham. Like. Okay you're not obeying. Let, let me get the next Abraham. And you're, you're out of the picture. God's not like that. He demonstrated patience with Abraham. Like for years and years and years of the roundabout. In the same way, he demonstrates patience with me and with you. God never loses patience and he is always there just waiting, sharing up. He is your biggest cheerleader for you to move on and allow him to grow you. The second thing, God is kind. When Abraham uh, does something that's clearly difficult. God shows up, put his arms around him, and affirms him. And he wants to do the same with you. So, you can do the same with others. We are in a school, and God is teaching us, by his behavior, how he expects us to be. And the third thing, 
The story shows how God is faithful. He is reminding Abraham that he will do exactly what he promised to do. Not because of Abraham, but because of himself. Because he is faithful, he is loving, and he is gracious. God did not ask Abraham to leave everything behind to punish him. God is love, and he wants to bless abundantly each one of us. But in order to continue uh, his journey with God, Abraham had to let go of the things that were actually a hindrance for his development. And uh, Abraham had to detach himself from the people, things, patterns of behavior that were holding him hostage to his old life, although that may be painful. And uh, in order to clear the room for complete devotion to God, we need to clear out our life of those things. And uh, that's the only way that God can fully abide on us and uh, can make our life to stop to go in circles. God is a God of peace. God is a God of love. And he wants you to have all that on your life. But change needs to start on you. I'm tired of this roundabout. I'm tired of walking circles. And I guess you are too. I see heads nodding. I see people. Because we are all tired of this roundabout. And, uh, and if you are tired too. Abraham's life is our blueprint. Of how God is using everything in our life to help us to grow and help us to achieve the growth he wants you and me to have. Uh, he wants to bring us to the next level. But we have to trust him. We have to be willing to follow his lead, to imitate his character, to Break with those parts of our life that are keeping us captive. And uh, he is willing to break those circles for us. If we are willing to put our life on his, on his hands. He, the Bible says he will make our path straight. Only if we trust him. One of my favorite uh, verses on the Bible comes from the book of Proverbs. Trust God with all your life. And he will make your path straight. And that's what he did in the Abraham's life. As we keep reading his story. And that's what he wants to do on your life as well. He will make your path straight. As you surrender more and more. And uh, so you can have a brighter future with him. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven. We are all tired of this roundabout. But uh, we discover today through the story of Abraham that uh, you are a patient God. You don't give up on us even when we repeatedly screw up things by not be willing to break with those patterns of behavior that keep us hostage. Help us, dear Lord, 
to realize that. Help us to realize as well that you are kind and, to, and that you are always sharing, cheering us up, trying to fill our life and hearts with your love so we can feel encouraged to move forward. Thank you also because you are faithful and uh, your promises and uh, your design for our life never changed. Even though we sometimes keep uh, making things worse. So dear Lord, help us today as Abraham to start a new path on our life. Breaking pattern after pattern. And allowing God to guide us entirely. Help us to go to where you want us to go. Help us to grow. And uh, we know that that may be painful at times. So we ask you, dear Lord, also bring us uh, soothing to our souls and to our lives. And help that your presence in our lives brings the joy and peace that we all need. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.